0: Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy. Uh, today's message is entitled Hope of Resurrection. You know, hopelessness can be absolutely fatal. Several years ago, an experiment on endurance was conducted by the University of California at Berkeley involving Norwegian field rats. Now, let me just say right out of the gate, I do not like rats. I am deathly afraid of them. If I see a rat, I'm on a table or I am out of that room, Uh, I cannot stand rats. Nevertheless, the experiment conducted by the University of California at Berkeley on these rats was a very cruel experiment. The rats were placed in a tub of water where they were forced to swim until they grew exhausted and they finally drowned. During the first experiment, the researchers discovered that on average, these Norwegian field rats were capable of swimming for about seven hours before they drowned. Well, then a second experiment was conducted exactly like the first with one exception, When the rats were getting too exhausted to swim any longer, the researchers would remove them from the tub of water for just a few seconds and then would put the rats back in the water to continue swimming. These rats were able to swim for over 24 hours without perishing. Researchers concluded that the rats in the second group were able to swim much longer than the rats in the first group because they had hope. They had experienced a rescue. And what kept them going was the hope that they would be rescued again. Human beings are no different. Without hope, we will drown in despair. But with hope, we have a reason to live. Hope is what keeps us going. It's been said that as oxygen is to the lungs so hope is to the human heart and that's why jesus came that's why we're here to celebrate today he conquered death and the grave so that we would know that we could also do the same and this means that no matter what happens ultimately nothing can hurt us because we have great victory in jesus christ When you begin to look around, you can see pretty quickly that we're living in some hopeless times. The economy is topsy turvy and people are starting to panic. Tens of thousands of people a day are filing for unemployment. Most of the small businesses are shut down. I was reading an article last week that that said that a lot of churches aren't going to survive this. They're going to go bankrupt. They're going to go belly up. We're not able to be around our extended loved ones because of social distancing. People are in isolation and that breeds futility and hopelessness. Our health and our well-being are being compromised. And you turn on the news and it's one hopeless story After another. Well, I come to you today with a simple message, a message of hope. Easter Sunday is a day that we celebrate hope because of the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. And so, what I'd like to do today is I want to begin with looking at the Gospel of Mark. I want to look at Mark's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mark is my favorite gospel because it's really a gospel of Peter. It is the eyewitness account of Peter living his life and seeing Jesus and being with Jesus. And Peter is dictating to Mark his thoughts and Mark writes them down. So it's a very simplistic, very easy to read, very understandable gospel. So we're going to pick up with the resurrection account in Mark's narrative in Mark chapter 16 beginning in verse 1. It says this, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him, anoint Jesus. Now I want you to think about this for a second. These women had been partners in the ministry of Jesus for years. They loved him. They adored him. They served him, they worshiped him, and they had to be caught up in this horrific sadness, this gut-wrenching, agonizing sorrow as they knew that their Lord and Savior lay dead in a tomb. This wasn't just a casual friend for them. This is one in whom they believed their salvation rested. It's very inconceivable to even know what their agonies were like. They were probably asking, how can this happen? How can this be? But they haven't lost their sense of affection. They haven't lost their love for Jesus. They were going back to do what loving families would always do. They were going to embalm the bodies of Jesus. They were going to put spices on his body. This is an action of love on their part. Look at verses 2 and 3. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? So they knew where the tomb was. Perhaps they were there on Friday when they saw the tomb, the stone rolled and the tomb sealed shut. And as they were walking to the tomb, they were were thinking and talking to themselves, how are we going to remove this stone? How are we going to get to the body? We're not strong enough to move the stone. We'll look at verse 4. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. So uh, allow me to make a quick point here for, for just a second. These women did not come expecting a resurrection. They came expecting to anoint a dead body. And Elevate Christian Church, I want you to know this. There is no headstone. There is no tomb. There is no shrine with the remains of the body of Jesus because there are no remains. We don't serve a dead man laying in a tomb. We serve a living Savior sitting on a throne. Allow me to make a little footnote here. Scripture says the stone was rolled away. I want you to understand the stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out of the tomb, it was rolled away to let the women in the tomb. Verses 5 and 6 And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side. He was dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. We're going to find out that he's an angel, and here's how we find out that he's an angel, verse 6. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. Everywhere in Scripture, when you see a human being encountering an angel, the first thing an angel says to that human being is, don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. Don't be afraid. The angel then says, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. You know, I read that and I say, wow, what a great event in the history of mankind. Jesus risen from the dead. Now, I'm sure the apostles as well as all of the followers of Jesus must have been pretty depressed all weekend long as he laid in that tomb. Their rabbi, their teacher, their savior, their Messiah, their Lord was dead. But on the third day, Jesus rose from the tomb. I mean, I get chills every time I think about those words. He has risen. He is not here. And because of that resurrection, friends, we have all the hope in the world that we need. And I think that hope is displayed in two ways. Number one, we have hope for this present life, the here and the now. And number two, we have hope for future life, eternal hope. And I want to address both of these things quickly this morning. Because of the resurrection, first of all, we have hope for this present life. I think this is something that we need to be constantly reminded of. That because we are in Christ, we can have hope today. It's not just a future hope. It's a hope that we can possess right here, right now, today. And so many people live in a world of hopelessness. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, It's As Good As It Gets, by starring Jack Nicholson. He plays a man named Melvin, who's this guy who struggles with OCD disorder. And at one point in the movie, he tries to see his doctor without an appointment, and he is ushered out into the waiting room. I want you to take a look at this clip really quick. Uh, We're a sidewalk in New York. Look where they put it. Want to see me? You will not do this. You will make an appointment, Doctor Green. How can you diagnose someone as an obsessive-compulsive disorder and then act as though I had some choice about barging in? There's not going to be a debate. You must. Listen. You said you could help me. What was that? A tease? I can help you if you take responsibility to keep you regular. You changed the room around two years ago. I also regrew my beard, but you're not interested in changes in me. Shh, so, I don't have this mountain of available time. I have to get to my restaurant on time now. Do you know how hard it was for me to come here? Yes. God. No. We're not doing this now. I changed just one pattern as you always said I should. No. Nope. Oh, I read that. Thank you very for- much. What if this is as good as it gets? Oh. What if this is as good as it gets? You know, there's a lot of people who seem to be asking that question these days, even pre-coronavirus, and they'll still be asking that question post-coronavirus. What if this is all life is? What if this is as good as it gets? People are empty, and they can't find that thing that will hold their hope. And so for many of us, we're constantly trying to fill our lives with things to make sense of it all. We have this hole in our soul that doesn't ever seem to get filled. We try to fill it with things and events and people. But in the end, we are still left with this void. A lot of people try to fill that void with relationships. I know a lot of people that try to fill that void with their children. Listen, I love my children. They're the best thing in the world. But they cannot fill that void. They cannot fill that hope because they're going to grow up. They're going to move out of my house. Sometimes they might break my heart with the decisions that they make. And when I'm an old man, they're probably going to put me in a nursing home. They can't fill that hope. Some people try to fill that void with stuff. Cars and houses and clothes and gadgets. And all that stuff is awesome, but it gets old and it wears out. And we say this a lot around here at Elevate Christian Church. Everything that you have owned, own now, and will own in the future. Everything you possess will all end up in the same place. It'll all end up in a landfill one day. Some people try to fill that void with events. And so they live their life from vacation to vacation or from weekend to weekend or from concert to concert or sporting event to sporting event. And it serves as an escape. But when it's over, they still feel a life devoid of purpose. Others try to fill that void with drugs or alcohol or some type of food addiction. And and we take these things to self-medicate the brokenness And the emptiness in our souls, but they really only make things worse. I want to show you a picture of our middle child. This is Calvin. Now, Calvin is 11 years old, so you can see by this picture, this was taken many, many years ago. We used to go to the University of West Georgia, for the CCF, the Christian Campus Fellowship, ministry there. And we would cook dinner for about 120 students. And after dinner, we would stay for their worship service. And so we had a team there, and Calvin came with me. And uh, some of our elders were there, and their children uh, were with us. And two of our elders' children, Bradley and Jessa, were kind of keeping an eye on Calvin in the, in the grass while we were kind of cooking and getting set up. And Bradley and Jessa had brought this big bag of, of candy. And they were giving it out freely. And, and Calvin overindulged in, in this candy. I mean, he ate so much. I don't even know how much candy he ate. Well, we were leaving West Georgia and Carrollton, and we were driving back home, and Calvin was very quiet. And I said, man, what's wrong, buddy? And he said, dad, my, my tummy hurts. And no sooner than those words came out of his mouth, all of a sudden, Calvin begins to throw up, and I don't mean to be overly graphic, but it was like chocolate lava spewing out of his mouth. And I, I'm dry heaving down the road because I'm, I'm the type of person that can't take that. And so I'm, I'm kind of dry heaving down the road. I, I call my wife, Lindy. I'm trying not to breathe through my nose. So I sound ridiculous. And I tell her, man, he is, there is a mess everywhere. Well, we finally get home, and like I say, he's a mess. At this point, I just pick him up. I take him upstairs. I put him in the shower wash him off, put on warm pajamas, and by this time he was hungry and thirsty because he'd gotten rid of everything in his stomach, so I gave him something healthy to eat and some water. He ended up being fine. You know, I can't help but think that's the same thing God does for us. When we fill our lives with what we think is substance, the things of the world, but in the end that stuff just leaves us sick and empty. But our Heavenly Father picks us up in His mercy. He washes our bodies through baptism with the blood of Christ. He gives us the bread of life and living water. He restores our heart. He transforms our mind and He gives us hope for today. And He did this for us when we were disobeying Him. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us, In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were hopeless, while we were without purpose, while we were lost, Christ died for us. The only thing that can hold our hope for eternity is Christ. The only reason is because He rose from the dead. He paid for our sins and He conquered the grave. I mean, I can imagine the despair the disciples and the followers of Jesus felt while he laid in the tomb. What now? Where do we go? What do we do? Imagine how they must have felt looking at his dead body, seeing it being prepared for burial. Imagine the hopelessness they might have felt if they were there when the tomb was sealed shut. But because of the resurrection, their despair turned to hope in an instant. They knew from that point on that because Jesus rose from the dead, that he could hold their hope. You know, greyhound racing is a very popular sport in some parts of the country. It it attracts large crowds who come out to watch these sleek, fast dogs run around the track. Well, unlike horse races, greyhounds run without the assistance of a jockey. So to keep the dogs running on the track in a circle in the right direction, they have a mechanical rabbit that's on a track that zips along just in front of them called a lure. A man in the press box will electronically control the speed of the rabbit, just keeping it in in front of the dogs so the dogs never catch up to it. Well, at a track in Florida some years ago, a, a big race was about to begin. Everyone had placed their bets. The dogs were in their cages, the man pushed the button, the cages opened, Uh, the rabbit started down the track, and when it got around the first turn, it stopped, it exploded, and it burnt up. The only thing that was left was a piece of black hair hanging on on a wire. The rabbit was gone, and so the bewildered dogs didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to act. According to news reports, several dogs simply stopped running. And they just lay down on the track with their tongues hanging out. Two other dogs ran into the wall, one breaking several ribs. Another dog began chasing its own tail, while the rest just howled at the people in the stands. Not one dog finished the race. You know, like racing greyhounds, people pursue their chosen rabbits. Humans need a reason for living. A reason for running this race called life. What's your goal? What's your purpose? What's your hope? What if that were to be taken away? You know, sadly, many people chase an illusion. A mechanical rabbit of sorts that ultimately turns out to offer no hope at all. But it was the Apostle Paul who wrote these words, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God had called me heavenward in Christ." Jesus. To know Christ is the only lasting hope. He is the only thing that can hold our hope for this present time. And so I want to encourage you, as I did last week, to live every day, not just Easter, to the fullest, because we have hope in Him due to the resurrection. The second thing the resurrection offers us is this. It offers us hope for the future. It offers us eternal, everlasting hope. In the, book of, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul writes this lengthy chapter about the resurrection of Christ. It is called the resurrection chapter. It's a wonderful chapter. Well, he transitions from Christ's resurrection to the resurrection that we are going to experience one day about halfway through the chapter. And he describes that our bodies will be raised in glory, that we will be transformed, that we will be given these new and these glorious, whole, healthy, beautiful bodies. I don't know if you have watched or you do watch the television show, The Walking Dead, where, where people contract this virus and, and when they die, uh, they are resurrected from the dead, but they come back as, as zombies. Walking dead men and walking dead women. Uh, the, The dead are raised, but they're in the same decrepit bodies. They look absolutely hideous. Well, this is not the type of resurrection that Paul is talking about. In fact, he's going to talk about a dead, decomposing, perishable body that's planted in the ground, but a new and a glorious body will be raised. And Paul's going to make the argument that our bodies are just like seeds when they're buried in the ground, when they're planted in the ground. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 35 through 37. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. So Paul is making the argument that our physical bodies are put in the ground like a seed. There doesn't seem to be anything going on. You can't see anything going on under the ground when you put the seed in there. But after some time, the seed sprouts. Our dead physical bodies are put in the ground, but then life is sprouted on the eternal spiritual level if we have Jesus Christ. As the seed dies and then germinates, it gives birth to new life. Look at verses 42 through 44 of 1 Corinthians 15. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Excuse me. So then Paul makes this beautiful challenge to us not to be consumed with this physical body, because we're going to have a new and a glorious resurrected body in the future. And so so death for the Christian is really not a bad thing at all. It's when our hope comes into full bloom. And so Paul reaches the crescendo of this chapter in verses 54 through 56 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says this <clears throat> When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he offers us hope for the future. The sting of death is gone. It's removed by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no sting left for the Christian. A little boy and his father were driving down a country road on a spring day. They had the windows down, and a bumblebee happened to fly into their car. Well, the little boy was petrified. He went into an absolute panic because he was deathly allergic to bee stings. Well, the father trapped the bee between the windshield and his hand for a moment, and then he let the bee go. And when he let the bee, the bee go, the boy began to panic again. He said, Dad, this bee's going to sting me, and if he stings me, I could die. Well, the father reached out his hand, and he pointed to his hand, and he He pointed to a little stinger in the middle of his hand where the bee had stung him. You see this? He asked his son, you don't need to be afraid anymore. I've taken the sting for you. The bee doesn't have a stinger. It can no longer hurt you. You know, as Christians, we don't need to be afraid of death because Jesus Christ took the sting of death and sin away. It was the Apostle Thomas when he saw the resurrected Jesus that didn't believe that that was really Jesus. And Jesus showed him his hands and his feet, showed him the nail-scarred hands. That's a picture of the sting of death taken away for all of us. And because Jesus defeated death and rose on the third day, the sting of death is gone for the believer. He gives us hope in the here and now, and he gives us hope from now on hope forever. And so we celebrate that today. Jesus is risen. We too will rise with a new and a glorious body. A body that is imperishable. A body that will never get cancer. A body that is always immune to the coronavirus. A body that will never wear out or grow weary. A perfect spiritual body because of the hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We walk in that hope. We live in that hope. We cling to that hope. Jesus is risen and Jesus is Lord. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us on what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.